I told you it would. Just chill. I know what I'm doing. I didn't. I thought it would fade out as you started talking, not as you handed it over to me. <laughs> that was that was the plan all along. So uh, thank you for fucking up that perfectly good intro, you douche. Oh, so you're saying it didn't work like it was supposed to? <laughs> yeah, it, it did until you started talking. <laughs> well, I mean, we're a really professional outfit, so we'll have to start all all over and do it all over again, right? Yeah, we are. Don't totally. actually do it again. Just bullshit. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, we're here with a all new look, all new imaging. I actually have done some actual production, like a, you know, my job is. <laughs> you so say all are. new look, like like we made a new logo. We totally didn't do that. Yeah, we can. You can look through your ears, and you will find that we have an all new look. Wasn't that an episode of House where it's a chick was hearing like that. hearing vision or seeing sound i think seeing sound is the right way to say that <laughs> not oh, sure it was an i know it was an episode of house i don't remember what that's called that's a thing people get it it's unfortunate so, okay well how about we talk about racing now it's hard you know, to race when you're seeing sound <laughs> very true i mean at that point it would be like you're driving Got a like a, fuck. something like that so anyways, uh, what do you want to jump into here? we got a lot to talk about. I mean, we, we've done this issue for a while. I, I th think we set a new record for being derailed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was like, what, uh, 10 seconds in? That was great. Well, we, I mean, we, we have show notes that nobody else can see that are put into categories. We could just go by category and just grab a thing and talk about it. <laughs> yeah, sure. I mean, uh, we want to start with uh, F1, IndyCar, NASCAR, what? You know, let's do IndyCar, because I think we got less to talk about when it comes to IndyCar. Duh. Okay, well, let's uh, go ahead and do that, then. Uh, I am... I don't know about you, but I am super excited to see how these new cars race. It oh, absolutely. Sounds, the drivers sound like they like them. They're all talking about how it's more mechanical and less aero, which is, I think, what I've been arguing every series needs to be doing. I, I, I know I said that at least once in the last run of podcasts, is that you just keep getting dirty air problems when the car is dependent on the air. Yeah, I think the last podcast we did was when they first unveiled the renderings of it. Now we get to actually see the cars on track they're testing out in Sebring and a few other places. These cars are really, really gorgeous looking. I, I think they nailed it for once. I mean, if I'm going to say anything about the looks, the road course package looks great. I think the package that they've shown they want to run at Indy, I think those wings look a little odd to mm -hmm. me. They, they seem so small, but I mean, if it makes the racing good, I... I I'm not gonna really have a problem with good racing. I just they're gonna have a hard time putting numbers on those wing plates. Yeah, I mean it, it. It'll be different 
a lot different. I'm very excited to see how, especially when they get to Phoenix and we get to see the oval package, it's going to be really fun to see. Oh, see, not, there, there's another one of our classic errors. It's not called Phoenix anymore. It's ISM oh, Raceway yes. at Avondale, Arizona, or something like that. Yeah, it's something uh, stupid. But yeah, I, I, so there you go. Another new story. Um, let's put a yellow flag on that. Because, we have uh, a caution. It, it is now ISM Raceway. You know, I think that just brings up a more broad topic of corporate sponsorship for sports venues in general. Like, we accept it in football and basketball. I mean, people... When you put it in racing, it's weird. Well, I know people here, our, uh, our arena where our St. Louis Blues play, I believe it's still called the Scott Trade Center. There are people that don't even refer to it to refer to it... Bleh, Use the last three First names. First stroke of the year. There it is. There, there, yep, didn't take long. There are people that don't even use that name. They don't even use the last three names. They use the original name when they built the damn building that was then demolished to build this one. Yeah, I mean, I th there's a baseball stadium to the north of town here where the West Michigan Whitecaps play. And it originally opened as Old Kent Stadium. Well, that was a bank. Got bought out by Fifth Third. It's been known as Fifth Third Ballpark for years, and people still call it Old Kent. It, it, so it is weird, and it takes a lot of time. I mean, hell, there's still people who call the NASCAR Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series the Winston Cup. So, you know, some people don't get used to it. I still refer to Xfinity as Bush often, so it, name it what you will. People are going to call it what they want to call it. I mean, I just call it the Kyle Bush Series, although I think he's really starting to curtail that now. But, yeah, it's. Uh. it's it's weird with the the sports naming stuff. You know, it's it's so new in motorsport. I mean, we had Lowe's as Charlotte for the longest time, and just about the time people started to get real comfortable with calling it Lowe's, that deal ran out, and now it's back to being Charlotte. So yeah, I don't know. I I'm sure the commentators are gonna screw it up all year. I don't know how many drivers and how many fans are going to call it ISM Raceway. I mean, there's still people that you know, Lucas Oil Raceway at Indianapolis is still called IRP by most people. Granted, that has a lot more to do with how many Lucas Oil tracks are there? There are five of them, including one for boats? <laughs> well, the boat one is on the same property as the uh, track in Wheatland, but uh, yeah, I get your point. I mean, it, it is a little confusing. I have a feeling a lot of drivers are still going to call it Phoenix because that is the general area of the track, so it'll still work. I don't think they'll get in too much trouble for it. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure, though, that the series itself is going to make sure <laughs> that and everything from press and everything done in the media that they tried to reiterate that it's now ISM Raceway because ISM's paying big bucks for it. Like, and, th and that's the thing. It's like, as weird as it is to all of a sudden change the name of the track like that, if it means the track has more money to do the kind of improvements they need to do and we got more money in the sport, it's a good thing. It's just, it, it's weird because we're not used to it, I think. It's just like people with the NBA, they're kind of finding it weird now that we're, they're putting logos on the jerseys. It's like, I mean, it's money going into the game, which is supposed to make everything... Having money is supposed to make it better. It, it does seem weird, but it's because it's new. Now, yeah. it's it's not like we're changing any team names, and, you know, Oklahoma City's going to stop being the Thunder and become the Oklahoma Sonic Drive-In or something. Well, you know, and the, the thing with uh, ISM Raceway, as you will now refer to it, um, <laughs> they actually are getting a lot of real good money and real good technological improvements like Wi-Fi around the whole track, which is huge because not many tracks have that, if any, that I'm aware of. I know Michigan sure as hell doesn't. Um, you know, so they're going to get that. They have all new grandstands. They're moving the start-finish line and the pit lane. 
Uh, all the old grandstands and what was the front stretch are going to be torn down. The, the whole track, it's kind of like their own version of Daytona Rising. I've seen some pictures, and it's looking absolutely gorgeous. I think the analogy I would draw is to when Darlington swapped ends. I, I'm still skeptical about that reconfiguration because Phoenix has worked so well for so long the way it is. Well, the way it was. I, I, think I just it's don't actually, like the new pit lane. To be honest I, with you. I think the track has gotten a little worse since they reconfigured it and paved the entire wall-to-wall -wall area because it's ruined that back straightaway. It's just well, ugh. with that new pit lane, that won't be an option anymore. Yeah, it might it might make it better. I'm I'm going to be very interested to watch the first races after the reconfigure. But I think the first one is going to be the Fall Cup race where the full reconfiguration will be in effect. I believe that's correct. I think it's still the old <clears> layout for spring, which is really that's always really weird is when you go to a track at the beginning of the year and then you come back and they've changed something. It's like, "Oh, well, wow." I like okay. it. Because oh, then it, you're going it's to interesting. you're going to the same location twice, but it's a completely different track. I mean, Atlanta did that in '97. They went there in the spring. It was the old, regular oval. They came back in the fall. Now it's a quad oval in the front stretch on the opposite end of the track. What the hell's going on here? So it made for interesting races because take all your old notes and throw them out the window. We got to do something different here. Well, that's. Not I don't think it'll be quite the same as with uh, ISM, but it, it's similar-ish. Well, it's not the only track that we're going to come back and run something completely different. Charlotte's doing that. That race, the Roval race at Charlotte, might be in the top five races I'm looking forward to for 2018. Oh, yeah. Because it's either, it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to be brilliant or a dumpster fire, and they wasted a lot of money on it. it, it I, I'm not even way. sure you could say it's wasted money. I mean, it was money they were going to spend because they needed to do all that stuff, because stuff uses that layout, so... It'll be interesting to see. I'm hoping that it's a success, and maybe we'll see a couple more of it, because I'd love to see more road course races. I'd love for them to be on legitimate, purpose-built road courses, but I'll settle for a Roval if it means we're not running another mile-and-a-half race. Well, plus the NASCAR contracts, the way they are now, doesn't really allow for that. I think all the tracks are locked in until 2021, so we probably won't see any legitimate road courses added till then. So, yeah, I'll take what I can get. Yeah, and that's kind of where I'm at with it. I will say, we're, we're gonna we're gonna segue, and I'm gonna ruin it by mentioning it. But no, the other IndyCar story we had is no Watkins Glen, but we're going to Portland instead. Yeah, I was very disappointed. I mean, I'm glad Portland's back, but I hate that it was at the expense of the Glen. The Glen has produced some great races, but they just it hasn't sold as well as they thought it would, and the track didn't sell out like they do for NASCAR. And apparently, IndyCar didn't think that that was gonna fly anymore, and they feel that Portland is a bigger market it's a market that's pretty well underserved by american open wheel racing so all in all it's a good move but the fact that it comes at the expense of Watkins Glen is just a heartbreaker well a lot of the stories i've read it wasn't that indycar didn't want to go back to the Glen; it's that they couldn't they couldn't get a date that they wanted and that the track would could work with them on it seemed like all the dates they wanted were already sold for something that the track's like guys we want you here, but those other dates, you know, they're not, they might even just be club dates. They're making more money than your race weekend. We aren't going to make them move for you guys. Yeah, it's the same deal with Michigan National Speedway, how they haven't been there since 2007. It was because, you know, they couldn't find a date that worked and, well, it got phased out. And as anyone that's been a fan of American Open Wheel Racing knows, Michigan is like, you know, the second coming of Indianapolis when it comes to importance. Yeah, another thing I've seen, IndyCar's talking about before the end of the year, they want to get a test done 
with a windscreen on those cars, which sounds like a much better idea than what another series is doing. I'm curious to see what that's going to look like when they get it on a car, but it's going to be better I, than the damn I halos we're about to have to stare at. Well, I have an idea how good it's going to look. Just look at, you know, indie cars from 1995 and earlier. <laughs> I mean, they, they all had them. It, it's something that already exists, and it worked, and it looked great. So, and considering these new cars are designed based off of those 90s cars that everybody loved, I think it'll work out great, unlike the uh, flip-flops that'll be on the Formula 1 cars. Oh, the, the, I, these halos are going to... There, there's no way you can make them look good. I've seen some people make them look passable. But I even was reading a story. They're considering allowing LED light tickers and stuff to go on these halos, and anything short of maybe just a, something similar to the leader light kind of thing that they've been doing in IndyCar, anything more than that, it's just... It's not a good solution. It doesn't look good. And it, I don't think it really... The only the only problem I see that the Halo fixes is it keeps you from being hit in the head by an entire wheel assembly. Anything else is going right through that. Right, yeah. I don't know. They'll, they'll figure it out. Maybe, you know, with the new ownership group, they'll actually listen and fix stuff. Um, you know, they didn't fix anything with television as they moved to ESPN for next year, and that pissed me off. Yeah, that, that's an interesting thing, though, because ESPN is just... Doesn't care about racing anymore? Well, they're not even they're not even putting a crew together. They're using no. the world feed that's being put together by Liberty that's an English-language feed, so at least we don't have to deal with, you know, Marty Smith or whoever the heck they're going to hire over at the Wood Iron Whoa, 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 Marty Smith is okay. You're thinking Marty Reed. You're right, I'm getting the Martys confused. Granted, Marty Smith, I was never a huge fan of his... But I think that's just because they gave him nothing to work with. Yeah, when he was with NASCAR.com, he did a lot of really great uh, pieces there. But uh, you know, going back to ESPN, if they didn't pick up F1, guess what? They only had like what would have been four racing events on their docket. Period. And yeah, they've got all of the IndyCar. Yeah, they've got the IndyCar events with, that are some of the most agonizing to watch during the year because they're on ABC slash ESPN. Yeah, like, like Pit R-H-O, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> oh, and, and, and let's let's not forget the most important thing in the last couple laps of the Indy 500. You have to show the girlfriend. The wife, girlfriend, or sister. Whatever woman is on the pit box is definitely really important to show us. Yeah, they're on the bigger half of the split screen. Because, you know, ever since Danica stopped running IndyCar, they have to find some way to have the camera pointed at a woman because they need the equal airtime. I, I, I don't understand it. It makes no sense to me. I don't want to see, you know, Elio's wife sitting there having a panic attack when there's an actual race going on. Show me the actual race. Now, if it's the last five laps, the leader's like a lap ahead, it doesn't bother me then. I'm like, okay, yeah. I mean, we're seeing her nerves because is the car going to make it? But when there's wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing, show us the wheel-to-wheel -wheel racing. That's the compelling television. I don't... I don't know why we have such a hard time seeing the compelling television, but at least we won't deal with that with Formula One, because all ESPN's doing is probably throwing commercials in at random times and breaking the whole thing up, kind of like Fox had been doing with Formula E. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and speaking of Formula E, did you hear the? I think it was Montreal has been canceled. <clears throat> oh, that was. I think that was canceled before we uh, stopped doing the podcast. Yeah, they they asked that. I saw a headline and I didn't read the story that. They're, they're looking at a replacement date in Birmingham, and I'm assuming they mean UK. 
Yeah, yeah, I don't think Alabama. Birmingham, Alabama. I mean, I'll try to find that story real quick and check. I, I doubt yeah. it. <laughs> it's not a big enough, uh, big enough city or big enough market. I don't think. Well, I mean, e. I mean, there, there's there's Barber there, so we have an IndyCar race. Let me let me see if I can find confirm which Birmingham Motorsports is reporting. But either way, you know, it's weird that that happened like that. Kind of sucks that that happened like that, but you know, whatever. It was, it was a lot of politics. It is the UK. It. I'll be honest. The, the Montreal course they've been running made no sense to me. You've got a purpose-built Grand Prix course that you could do minor adjustments to to run to Formula E spec, like you do. Well, in it's Mexico not that they City haven't brought that up though. Or Marrakesh, but they 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 didn't they couldn't make that work. If they can't make that work, they're not going to make anything work. So let's just move on and find something else. Yeah, because they wanted to run a circuit Gilles Villeneuve, but uh, apparently they're doing some renovations for this year, or else uh, they wouldn't just move it there. That was that was definitely on the table for discussion, but because of the renovations going on, it just wouldn't be able to work. Um, maybe next year? I don't know. We'll see. Yeah, Formula E, ever since it's began, it's kind of felt to me like... They're, they're teetering on that edge of whether they're going to break through and become the next big thing that they act like they're going to be, or that they're just going to take that wrong turn and flop entirely. And I'm all the manufacturers are starting to get involved, so that might be promising. But for me, I think for the long-term health of a series like that, I get the whole we want to run in the cities thing. Keep that, but we need some actual tracks because some of these courses are terrible. I'll say the Marrakesh race was great because that's an actual semi-purpose-built circuit. Well, same with uh, when they race in Mexico, too. Yeah, those are some of the best races. I'm I'm all for running, you know, these street circuits and stuff. That's fine. Some of the course design is problematic, but also going to, you know, traditional homes of motorsport is something I think they need to be doing. I yeah, I think a Formula E race at Laguna Sega, for instance, would be amazing. You know, I think the front straightaway there might actually be too long for them. I'm trying to remember what well, I'm they're... I'm sure they can add a chicane somewhere. I mean, it's wide Yeah, enough. well, that's that's where they start running into trouble, is they add these chicanes that are just... I'm I'm, I'm going to give Herman Tilka a compliment. His chicanes are better than Formula E's. Okay, well, I'll, 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 I'll let that one slide. Uh, but yeah, I think they could make Laguna Seca work. I mean, it would be great if they could run there. I mean, holy crap. I mean, there are plenty of circuits that they they could run, and it would be it would be great. It's just right now I think they're they're in this mindset of we want to show that this works in the city centers, where you know electric cars will thrive. Right, it's, it's, and it does, but politics doesn't allow it. Well, and some sometimes there's circuit design issues. There are some of these races that have been terrible to watch, and some that are fine. It just comes down to how they design the circuit, and they always seem to have this one corner where it's like, oh yeah, there's going to be a wreck on the first lap of the race because you can't get a car through there, period. Like in those chicanes that we're talking about. Yeah, that that's... I mean, I, how I, many I times do we see tire bundles just get completely moved so that way they can have a groove? Yeah, I just... That's always been my issue with Formula E. The technology is interesting. I'm honestly not a guy that thinks that electric cars are the the solution every some people put them out to be at least not yet maybe if we get you know range on these things and quick charging that they're trying to get to sure but i i've i've always been behind hydrogen but nobody else seems to want to get behind that yeah and the thing is these cars it's all aerodynamics anyway 
you know. Uh, and you know, you got the don't torque. have much. They have very little air. A lot more than you'd think. The, I mean. They actually had, when I found out how much they were generating, I was surprised at how little it was. Those wings aren't doing a lot, which is why they can get away with just slamming into each other and knocking those, those well, front wings to pieces. There's I'll very you, little there. I'll tell you one thing that's very aero-dependent, and they're constantly changing, NASCAR. <laughs> I mean, Monster Energy NASCAR Cup Series, they got more aero rules changes coming again. I mean, I'm looking at this. They did reduce downforce, thank God, but they still have the stupid splitter, and now it's common. You can't even adjust the splitter or bend it to whatever car body you have to make it better. Can't do that. Uh, reduce aerodynamic fans, and, oh, by the way, we're only going to give you one rear end gear, so if your rear end gear doesn't work for the track, eh, well, screw you. Um... They did reduce the spoiler again, which is always good, so uh, hopefully they'll make racing better in the mile and a half. Yeah, I, I'm i actually slightly optimistic that some of this is going to help. The The splitter being a common part means that they can't finesse it and they're not going to be able to get the same efficiency out of it they've been getting. I'm sure the big teams will still figure out how to do it, which is really the big problem, and I'm still all for just cut the splitter off the car, go back to a valence, take some of the side force away from these cars. Where they're going with the spoiler, I think, is a good direction. The The more downforce you take away from these cars, the better they're going to race in a group. But, you know, they, they, they just don't seem to want to go that direction. They keep making the cars lighter and more aero-dependent each time there's a big update to these cars. Which, yeah, makes them go faster. I don't... I'll be honest, I would rather watch the cars doing 180 around Michigan being able to race around each other than going 220 into the corner but not being able to be within a mile of each other. And I would agree there as someone who attends the races yearly. Um, other changes that they announced too is they're going to have a dedicated pit road roster, which is going to be very interesting. Let me look up the details here, but basically uh, they're cutting team members down. Uh, they're going to well, have less hurt. people on pit road. What's that? That must hurt. They're going to cut them down? Yeesh. Yeah, that that is gonna hurt a little bit, especially. No, no, you you said it's a pit row roster. No, a pit road. Yeah, I, I saw Not that. Not RHO. I was reading that, and it really seemed like NASCAR was going for this whole thing. It's like, well, you know how you know all the players on your favorite baseball or hockey team. Well, now you're gonna know the names of all your pit crew members. I'm like, I am not sure that most casual fans are even aware of how many people are on the pit crew, much less care about what their names are. But then the people freaking out, how are they going to fuel the cars when they're, they're they're down a guy on pit road? I'm like, guys, guys, read the press release. The fueler is now not a crew member. He's only the fueler and can do nothing else. If he touches that wedge wrench, you're getting penalized. If he touches that tire, it's a penalty. If he tugs on the bodywork, it's a penalty. Right, and it'll be very interesting to see how these teams... Uh institute these changes how they get around that because I mean, these pit stops are getting down to what 12.3 seconds for four tires and fuel definitely gonna make that bump up for the first few weeks i believe they're also going to spec wrenches next year aren't they yes, yes they, they are. are uh all the lug wrenches will be spec you have to rent them from nascar prior to the start of the week so you can't bring your own guns anymore which kind of seems a little overbearing but it does make sense yeah, it's, it could be a good cost-reducing method, assuming that the rental cost for these wrenches isn't more than the cheapo wrenches some of the other teams had. It does feel like something NASCAR's trying to do is, A, make pit stops harder, which means we're either going to see more mistakes or the pit stop times are going to grow again. 
I honestly wouldn't be surprised if it was in NASCAR's interest to make pit stops take longer. Because the faster and faster a pit stop goes, the more likely it is that someone's going to make a mistake to get somebody hurt. Yeah, exactly. And how many times have we seen that, especially the last couple seasons when these pit stops started getting below 13 seconds? You know, guys coming in too hot. I mean, Brad Keselowski running over his pit crew at Pocono. Uh, things like that. You know, it's all just a result of people moving around too quickly. I mean, if you want to see what can happen when pit stops start going too quickly, all you got to do is watch a compilation of horrible pit accidents in Formula 1. I mean, wheels flying off. Or an arc race. Fuel oh. rigs coming unhooked in the middle of a fuel stop, spraying fuel everywhere. That's why fueling keeps getting banned in Formula 1, because people keep setting the whole garage on fire, because we're just trying to go too fast. And it's much easier just to create a rule that says, you can't do that, than to say, well, we're going to figure out a way to make you keep you from going too fast. It's, it, it, it's always interesting. And what's amazing is, you know, like last year you'd have a pit stop that was 14.5, 15 seconds ago. Oh man, that was a slow pit stop. And I'm like, in 2001, that would have been a lightning pit stop. Oh, hell, even in 2005, that would have been lightning. I mean, it's crazy just how fast over the last three, four years it's gotten. I mean, ever since they got rid of the catch can man in particular. Yeah, I hate it when they got rid of the catch <sighs> can man. That was, that was the one job on the pit crew I was pretty sure I could have done. Well, anybody could have done that. I mean. No, there was a certain skill set, because that guy also needed to do the wedge wrench and do anything else at the back of the car, so you needed to be a long, lanky, weird, scrangly dude with super long arms to do that job. If you had short T-Rex arms, you couldn't reach the lug wrench. Well, I, my fat gut gets in the way of my arms, so I guess I'd be screwed, but... Uh, You'd just be boosting up the spoiler angle. I mean, nobody wants probably. that. Well, unless you're at like, a short track or something, but anyway. Um... Furthermore, with uh, we'll wrap up our NASCAR discussion with this uh, silly season. Holy crap! You know, y you act like it's been super silly. I mean, a lot. I of think this, it has. A lot of the stuff that's happened, we've kind of known about. I mean, we still have no idea. Danica still says she wants to run the 500. Still no announcement on a ride. I'm sure she'll get one because there's always that team that has that one extra car that is looking for somebody to drive the car. I mean she'll probably find a ride. It's not going to be a competitive ride at this point. If she was going to get a ride with a team that was going to give her something that was a good contender, it'd be done by now. Yeah, yeah. but, you know, other pretty major shock things have happened since we last recorded, like Matt Kenseth, he's not going to be coming back. I mean, I don't think either of I mean, us would have really speculated. predicted that. Yeah, it had yeah, been speculated, but I wouldn't expect it. I thought he would at least been a lower team like Casey Kane, who also moved from Hendrick to Levine Family Racing. So, you know, there's a lot of major shakeups. You know, the landscape has changed. A lot of the older veterans that we've been grown used to knowing and loving, they're gone. I mean, Dale Jr., uh, Matt Kenseth, Carl Edwards, Greg Biffle, they're all gone. Yeah, and it's, now it's, it's booming. What's that? It was kind of funny. I, I had a survey from the fan council. It was like, well, who are you going to be rooting for in 2018? I looked at the list and I'm like, um, yeah, because now you got Bowman, Jones, Elliott. I mean, like, I think out of the gate, I'm going to root for Bowman just because he's the guy taking over the, the car the guy I rooted for. I had that in Formula 1 when Schumacher retired the first time. It's like, well, do I keep rooting for his team? And that's what I ended up doing. That's how I ended up as a Ferrari fan. I was a Schumacher fan. Started rooting for Ferrari. He retired. I'm like, okay, I guess I'll root for Alonso now because he's the number one there. And that's It, it, it came back around to me because there got to be that point with Vettel at Red Bull. I'm like... I see so much Schumacher in this kid, and I want to be able to root for him, but I don't like Red Bull. Oh, he's going to Ferrari? Sweet. <laughs> see, me and you had completely different reactions. I got pissed that he left Red Bull, but that's a different podcast discussion. 
uh, people had the same opinions. I feel like when Schumacher left Benetton, they were like, he, "He's going, he's going to, he's going to the dark side." Yeah, I, I guess it does go both ways here. Uh, or when Kyle Busch <clears> went to <throat> Hendrick or Gibbs or wherever the hell he's been. Yeah, well, Remember when people liked him? I don't at all. I mean, let's just ask uh, Brad Kosowski. What do you think about Kyle Busch? Kyle Busch is an ass. Well, there you go. Yeah, it's it, it's always interesting, though, when you have to go through that transition. It's like, okay, well, the guy I've rooted for since the late 90s, early 1000s has retired. Do I root for, you know, I, I've always kind of had fun rooting for Keselowski because I always felt like he was, you know, one of those guys that Junior brought in. Same for Truex. Like, I enjoyed watching Truex do well because I rooted for him in the Bush series when he was running for Junior. So at least it's like, you know, I can root for this guy. I mean, he's not, not the guy I want to see win. Every race, I'd like, you know, if I could pick the guy who's going to win it any weekend, it'd have been Junior, but I was realistic and knew that wasn't going to happen. Yeah, I mean, like I said, things change. And speaking of change, uh, all new sports car stuff coming our way very soon. A lot sooner than we think. Yeah, Day- Daytona's what? Not this weekend, the next? It's it's going to be interesting. I'm... I'm curious if we want to do predictions. I mean, I could probably find you the uh, the entry list so you, you can make some predictions. I have a sneaking suspicion that that for Mazda, it's going to go one of two ways. It's going to either go really, really well or really, really poorly. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of under the same uh, train of thought here, but my I'll, I'll make a bold prediction right now. I think Penske has a shot at winning the 24 in their first year back. Or in the first year in general, I think, actually. I I think that Acura program is going to be interesting to watch. I I always worry about the first-year programs. That's why I'm, I have a concern about this new Mazda program. Is because either things come together and, you know, you're like, yeah, we did all the planning, everything's, you know, everything's great. I pause to see if you do the sound cue. Everything's great. There it is. There it is. Sorry, I had to find it. <laughs> Or everything falls apart, the car breaks down, and you struggle. And we have a caution. And you struggle to reach the finish with a car that you know has Got spent. Exactly, that spent six hours behind the wall getting fixed. I mean, Penske—they've got two cars. They've got the six and the seven. They've got some great driver talent. I mean, Dane Cameron, Juan Pablo Montoya, Simon Pagano, Elio Castroneves, Graham Rahal, and Ricky Taylor are their six drivers. Yeah, that, I mean, that's a great lineup, by the way. Solid, but, you know, it doesn't mean anything if the car sucks. Yeah, I mean, and you got some great talent in the race. I mean, I'm looking at this, looking at this entry list, and I'm seeing so many names I recognize. I mean, you got Ryan Hunter Ray is going to be in the Wayne Taylor car. You got Fernando Alonso is going to be in a prototype car. Bruno Senna, you got ex Formula One guys, you got IndyCar guys. Lance Stroll is going to be running. You got all the, the greats of, you know, U.S. road racing, you got international greats. This is the great thing about Daytona, is that you get these guys that come in from all over the world, and you, you get a really interesting race, and you also get a good number of Americans. You don't necessarily get that at Le Mans. Le Mans always feels like there aren't very many Americans there, and you don't see very many IndyCar guys, you don't get to see very many F1 guys all the time, because it's right in the middle of the season. This preempts the season, so nobody has a conflict to go run this. 
Yeah, I mean, Daytona really brings out the best of the best of the best. I mean, it, it's Daytona, world center of racing, and, you know, Fernando Alonso, he never raced Daytona before now, and he has just been nothing but impressed by the facility. Yeah, I, I keep speculating and then get disappointed, but I really will not be surprised if when Fernando finally hangs up in F1, I won't be surprised if he comes stateside to race something. Whether it be IndyCar, NASCAR, or sports cars, he's going to be doing something. I wouldn't be shocked if he came over here, ran a partial IndyCar schedule, a partial sports car schedule, and then tried to get and run a couple of cup races. Like, it seems like that might be the direction he would look to go is go, you know what, I just want to race what I want to race. You know, kind of take the Tony no. Stewart approach, except Tony Stewart wants to race dirt. Fernando wants to run the big races. Now, wouldn't it be something, though, if somehow, some way? We had a Kimi Räikkönen and Fernando Alonso NASCAR team up. Räikkönen's career is just amazing to me. A guy who is a Formula One world champion, ran NASCAR, rally, and is back in Formula One. Yeah, but how amazing would it be if we got the ticket where teammates Kimi Räikkönen, Fernando Alonso, in anything NASCAR, holy crap, the world would... Formula One fans would just melt. They'd be like, why are they running with these hillbillies? It would be amazing just to see the Formula One fans have a stroke. It, it, it would be interesting. I mean, do you want to do some predictions? Looking at the, I can give you the entry list from uh, the, the... Well, the I Wiki already gave mine. Uh, well, that, 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 that's your prototype pick. I, I think for prototype, I just have misgivings about the, the two newest entries. I suspect that they're going to find some issue with the car that they hadn't found before. I'd be more willing to bet on one of the more established teams. The Cadillacs have been the class of the field the last few years, and as much as I hate to see the Cadillacs keep winning, I really would have to put my, my money either with like Wayne Taylor or the uh, the <clears throat> like the, the, the 10, the 5, and the 31, I think, are the favorites. I, I think I gotta go with Wayne Taylor because they seem to have been doing pretty well the last few years. I just, this I think there's some BOP issues going on there, and I won't be surprised if IMSA actually does like hobble the Cadillacs right before the race, and some of the Cadillac guys are already speculating and complaining, that, saying, "Well, we were so much faster. They must be, you know, they must be playing games with us. There's no way they're that much slower." So it's gonna be interesting. I, I will agree with you. It would be very unpensky for them to show up and run into issues mechanically or with the team. Would not surprise me, though, if they run into issues of just getting run over. Yeah, same here. And I think in GTLM, that'll be very interesting to see what happens between the Ford uh, GT program and the Corvette program. Corvette obviously has a very proven track record, but the GTs have also fared well. I think it's going to come down to Ford versus Chevy this year. I'm going to be honest, and I'm probably going to be proven wrong. I don't think Corvette stands much of a chance, because I think they have the oldest car in that field. They, they do, do, but it's still been very proven, and it can still run. Well, the issue they've started to run into is that it's now also the slowest car in the field. Granted, you never know what's going to happen. You know, Chip Ganassi's been doing pretty well. You've only got the one Ferrari out there. There's... There's supposed to be a BMW. I don't even think I know who's driving that car. And the, the, yeah, Porsche, the Porsches never do as well at Daytona as I'd like to see them to, because the, the car, the, the 911 is not a great car for Daytona when you got these sleek little cars like the GT, and the 911's punching this big hole in the air. It's, 
never worked out great for them. At least since they were. Aerobatically speaking, it's not a good car. I, I, I think what you're gonna see is I think you're gonna see the Ford GT against the one Ferrari and one of the Corvettes because usually Corvette can get one of their cars really going. They, they always, I always seem to notice well. that a lot of the time Corvette they have one the the two cars they both start out really well and then one of them runs into problems and that's the car that has problems all day. Well, I don't know, because a couple of years ago, they finished door-to-door -door at the end of 24 hours, so... That's true, and it, it, it isn't always the case, but I always feel like that's one of those teams that everything either goes wrong for the three or the four. Whichever car has the first problem is usually the one that's going to have problems all night. Yeah, that's very true, too. But uh, what about Toyota? I mean, Toyota, in their sports car season, I mean, they've been having some heartbreakers. What, what do you think about them turning their luck around this time? Well, here's the thing, when you go to the WEC, Toyota doesn't have anything to turn around now. There's nobody, there are no other manufacturers in that class. They are now battling a bunch of privateer teams that have no budget and don't have the power or the car that Toyota has. Toyota, all they have to do is tune down their car so it'll last 24 hours. It'll still be faster than the privateer teams. If they don't win Le Mans this year, it'll be their own fault. There is no excuse to not win this year because they're not fighting Porsche or Audi or anybody else. They're fighting privateer teams that don't have the budget to build the car they have. If they break down, it's all on them. There is no excuse to break down when you're legitimately not fighting anybody. So if they don't win Le Mans this year, they need to go back to their corporate headquarters and have a serious rethink of everything they're doing. Yeah, maybe uh, go down Bell Creek and get some new Denso parts or something. I don't know, but uh, you know, I mean, I, I, I almost said something that would probably be offensive. Good. But like, if if they don't oh, go win, for it, I don't care. If they don't win, somebody's gonna be thinking about ritual suicide. I mean, there is no excuse. You're the only <laughs> team out there. If you don't win, something is actively trying to stop you from winning. But, but very true. Uh, other news, however, we have. A race, a big race, already under the books. Uh, last weekend was the Chili Bowl Nationals. Uh, it was a yeah, battle. Chili Bowl. <laughs> under the books? In the books, rather. It could be under them, too. We don't know. It could they, be they wrote it on a piece of paper and then put a book on top. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They had to I, keep it down. Yeah, I didn't get to watch much of it. I don't have the channel I, it was I on. Let's, let's I was able to keep up on Snapchat. I found a YouTube stream. I, I, was, I may or may not have been watching it at work. It, it was kind of a fun thing to kind of be watching, you know... In the, in the lulls and what I was doing. I think the thing I'll say is it, it, the, those are really cool races races like that, but they, they don't have the kind of exposure where the whole world gets excited for them. It feels like it's a very small part of the racing world that even knows what it is and sees it and, you know, does what, what it is that they say they're going to do. There are a lot of guys that just have no idea. You, like, especially European guys, you start talking about the Chili Bowl, they go, what even is that? Yeah, Where is Oklahoma? It is a huge event, and of course it came down to two NASCAR regulars, uh, Christopher Bell, of course, he's going to be making a Rookie of the Year run in the Xfinity Series for Joe Gibbs Racing this season. He won over Kyle Larson after Kyle Larson uh, blew a motor with, I think it was like five, ten laps ago. It wasn't that much left in the race. And the, uh, the car just kind of let go after battling wheel-to-wheel -wheel Christopher Bell. Um, you know, I do have to say, though, it's quite amazing what they do there with the Tulsa Expo Center and uh, building that whole... I mean, it's a whole racetrack under a roof, 
pit and all. I mean, midway, everything. It's under the roof. You don't get that anywhere else, and it's just a cool event that they do out there. And you know, Tony Stewart, of course, he's always involved. iRacing was out there. They had huge involvement with sponsoring cars, scanning the track to be put into their service, which I know makes the both of us very happy. Yeah, well, I mean, it'll it'll launch on iRacing the very first week. There will be some Yahoos running like four ten sprint cars on it, and that'll be hilarious to watch people try to pull that off. <laughs> no, no, what's going to be yeah, hilarious to watch would be UMP modifieds or NASCAR trucks. That'll be hilarious. Yeah, it, it's one of those things that, that events like that are, are really cool, and they seem to be doing more and more. Like, we've, we've got a dirt race here in St. Louis in the, the Dome, which I think is a bigger space than they got there in Tulsa. Oh, it's a much bigger space. It, it's just really cool stuff, and it's the kind of stuff, like, if you were talking to somebody who had no knowledge of this, you would explain to them what it is, and they would look at you and go, you can't really do that, can you? Yeah, the fact that they can get all this stuff under the roof is absolutely crazy. I love it. I love it. The closest thing that we had over here was they had the arena racing stuff, which was like quarter-scale NASCAR cup cars. and It was fun. It was on a bank track, but it was nothing like, you know, cars that are actually full-size, full-blown race cars versus like a go-kart, you know? Well, I mean, I'd had the idea of watching that. I'm like, you know, dirt is cool and all, but I also like some asphalt racing. I know they do some indoor asphalt, but I bet you Legends cars indoor on a track about that size would be interesting. Well, they do something like that at, uh, in Fort Wayne a couple of weeks before the race there at Chili Bowl. They actually had uh, the Rumble in Fort Wayne where they have stuff like that. Yeah, it, it's, it's really cool stuff. It's, it's something that I, I don't, I, as much as I want to see more of it, I don't think I actually do because it starts ruining. When you do too many, it starts ruining and they stop being special. It's like the NFL playing six, six games in the UK instead of one. It stops being special when you start getting into double digits, for sure. So, while I'd like to see more events like that, I don't want to see too many more. Because at a certain point, all of a sudden, it's like, well, this how is this special anymore? The only one that's special is the first one. The rest of them are cool, but don't have anything special going for them. You run, you know, yeah. if every major city in the United States had a race like this, it would stop being special. Yeah, there seems to be about one big one in each region of the country you know that new jersey does it indiana of course has theirs st louis has theirs and tulsa oklahoma has theirs as well so it seems like just about every corner of the country has it but it's spread out enough to where you don't really notice it and it still keeps that sparkle of being special now speaking of being special uh we're going to be special and make some predictions that are probably going to be completely stupid well yeah, but we, we usually prove that. I think you were listening back to previous shows and found that, what, more than half of my predictions were complete garbage? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, let, so let's be I, fair. Mine I are probably stupid, too. So. so I'm thinking maybe I should predict things that I don't think will happen, and then I'll sound right? Uh, sure. Danica Patrick will win the Daytona 5... Oh, I probably don't want to make that prediction. Too late, done it. Uh, yeah, no, I don't think that'll happen. Um, <laughs> but, uh, let's see. I, I do think that we will see at least two red flags during the Daytona 500 this year. I think that's a given, as long as Jamie McMurray is on the track. You know, my, my honest prediction for the 500, I think Chase might win the thing. I was saying all of last year, too. Chase will never win in the 24, but he, it won't take him long to win with that 9. And I also think that, uh, this season... Even though a lot of people are going to be saying Truex Jr. is going to have it, I think he will be a force to be reckoned with for the championship once more. 
But I also honestly think that these new rookies that are coming in are so good. I think at least three quarters of these rookies coming in, such as Byron and you know Chase Elliott. Of course, you can't really call him a rookie. All these young guys, you know Bowman, Chase Elliott, William Byron, guys like this are going to dominate the Chase field, include or playoff field, I should say including uh, Ryan Blaney as well. I think half of the playoff is going to be taken up by these younger guys that replace some of the uh, older greats that we've been used to seeing. You know, I th I, I'm going to make a prediction, and uh, we can hard cut to the chase. Well, that's what I'm we're doing, wrong. so that would be great. If I, don't think, I don't think Byron's going to make the chase. I think he's going to have a rough year. I don't actually this think... This is bullshit. I don't think that he's actually ready to be competitive at the level they're putting him in. I don't think he's going to flounder and fail. I think he's just going to struggle for a year and come back next year all the more determined and with a chip on his shoulder to prove next year. But I, I don't think it's going to go as well as people think it is. I mean, that's what happened to Logano. Everybody thought Logano was going to come in. He's going to be in the 20 car taking over Tony Stewart. That's a great car, great team. He's going to do great. And uh, he didn't. <laughs> Everything's great. Yeah, nah, I, I don't think it's going to go that way at all. Um, I think William Byron is going to continue the streak of success. I mean, he is so good. I don't think we've seen a driver this talented come in since Jeff Gordon. Which is convenient to say he's taking over the 24. Wow, your mic just did something weird there. I'm just going to point out, you sound exactly like everybody did about Logano. Oh, who else? Just Logano, Chase, any any young driver that's had success in lower series that comes in. Everybody's like, you know, this we're, we're going to remember this guy's name in years and years and years. He's going to be the greatest ever. And sometimes it doesn't work out. People thought Casey Kane was going to be this multi-time champion. Casey Atwood. It's just, we, we hype these guys up. Shot Jones. We hype these guys up, and you can never live up to some of the hype you build for these guys. I mean... I think the only guy that ever lived up to the hype I heard people put on him was a certain guy in the 48. And even then, there were people that weren't sure he was going to be able to do it because his Bush career wasn't great. Yeah, a lot more people put the uh, focus on Newman than Johnson back then, that's for sure. And and Newman, oh boy, I, I wish he'd won that championship. Just to, too. Just to send head spinning at NASCAR. Like, he didn't win a race all year and he won the championship. What are we going to do? It's like Matt Kenseth all three all over again. Ah! <laughs> so, um, a couple other notes I want to go over. Uh, first off, uh, racing legend Dan Gurney passed away. Um, if I, I don't think we have to explain who he is. Do we? You, you know, as much as I hate to say that we do, we probably do. Because some, some people... Like, you look at look at this Wikipedia page. All the stuff he did. If it had wheels, he raced it. Raced at Le Mans, raced Formula 1, raced NASCAR, raced Trans Am, sports cars, everything. Had a Formula 1 team. I think he's the only American ever win in Formula 1 with a car that he had anything to do with. That was an American team, granted, run away, but it was an Anglo-British Anglo team. American driver won. It's an amazing story. I mean, he came up with some great innovations. Gurney flaps. There's a reason it's called the Gurney flap. Yeah, and the Gurney Eagle chassis. I mean, huge part of open wheel racing in general. And sports cars. They, they, yeah. They, they were running GTP cars at one point. I mean, the, the dude had his fingers in everything. I mean... Even multiple women. Hey-o. Well, that took a turn. I'm not sure if that's... <laughs> I don't... That, I, 
that that may have just been downright disrespectful. <laughs> <laughs> Not our own motorsports podcast, tastefully offensive. I, that that's an oxymoron. That I'm sure of. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, though, um, you know, absolute legend in our sport, and it, it, it's sad to see him go, but uh, he did certainly live a full life. Yeah, that's always the amazing thing is you. When we lose guys like him, you look at his contemporaries and go, "Oh yeah, there he is, finishing second to you know finishing second there and on the podium with Dan." Oh, that's right, he died ten days later in a horrible accident. It's like anybody that survived that is a freaking hero. Yeah, absolutely, I fully agree. Um, before we get out of here, though, I do want to say uh, we do actually plan on doing the show this year. Last year we kind of fell flat. Yeah, life is life is awful. Yeah, it's one of those things. I think what we what we want to do is just sort of talk about what comes up that we want to talk about. Avoid the thing of, oh yeah, all the news outlets cared about this, but we don't have anything to say about it. We we don't need to talk about something if we don't have anything to say about it. Yeah, and I think uh, you know, this show went pretty good. I mean, we just kind of flowed with wherever we felt like pointing our finger, and I think we did a good job with this one. I, I like it. I like uh, the fact that I actually made an intro. I'm probably going to make an outro for next week and have an all-new intro. Uh, probably have like six or seven on deck just to switch through and to have featuring best of moments of the show, even though there's not a lot that you could call the best. But, you know, I'll figure it out. Yeah, and we, and we only missed three things mm. in the show notes. Well, I don't think we missed any. Oh, yeah, we did. We missed a couple F1 bits, but the show's gone on long enough. Well, we can save it for next yeah, week. Well, yeah, F1 doesn't start for a long time. we got plenty yeah. of time to find out who William's second driver is, discuss what we think of Alfa Romeo, and decide whether or not Danny Kofiat deserves to be anywhere near a race car. <laughs> All that and more coming up on next week's edition of the All Around Motorsports Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. Make make sure you put the air quotes around next week's, just in case. Yeah, sure, we'll do. The link was titled "Ignoring Blue Fat Blue Flags." Yes, Blue Flags. Damn gay Smurfs. Ignoring (laughs) Blue Flags is a bad idea. Do a barrel roll. It's like let's go five wide in the MX-5. Even though there's a blue flag and there's faster cars coming through. I mean, you know. No gay Smurfs though. I'm just gonna point out. I'm pretty sure most of the Smurfs are gay. It true. And that the Smurfs send a very bad message about women, that they were created to corrupt and destroy us.